These are great chairs. Oh my. Nerd. Oh, you just got called out. That's pretty absurd. It is going to be a thing. Come on. Bad Philosophy, episode 24, recorded on March 1st, 2009. Slumming with Destiny. Hello, everyone. Welcome and one to Bad Philosophy. Coming at you today with a brand new panelist. We've got Eric Braden on the show today. He is a, a local columnist, um, editorialist, comic writer, activist, pretty much any any ist you can think of. He's done it. Uh, Eric, well, I, don't um, I don't think... Have you done socialist yet, Eric? I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> Good answer. I think very few of us are sure what that means. This is um, not fascist. We've also got Kevin Saunders on the show today. You know him, you love him. Hi. And his uh, his T-shirt today is "Give me a dollar and I'll go away." It's a new fundraising raising project I'm trying to start. Unfortunately, I do not carry cash. That's the problem I've come across many times. Yeah. <laughs> well, and speaking of cash, um, we're going to talk about poverty today, specifically the the angle of poverty covered in slumdog millionaire now uh if any of you all aren't familiar with this movie it was produced by a british guy named uh, billy something something that's my bit <laughs> yeah hey i'm taking your bit i can do it you have the internet in front of you i, I do have the internets in front of me but i uh, okay fine wikipedia Hold, please, while the internet loads wikipedia do your thing just last week i had an aide order me an internet and it didn't come to my office till three days later. <laughs> it's not a big dump truck. It's just a truck you just dump something on. It's because it, your tubes are clogged, man. It's a series of tubes. There. Um, okay, movie was made by Danny Boyle. So not Billy, but Danny. Whatever. He's done something else. Train spotters. Train spotters. Yeah. Really, that's an interesting combo. Train spotters to Slumdog. It is indeed. Train spotting. Train spotting or train spotters? There's a lot of trains in Slumdog Millionaire, actually. I think it's train spotting. Yes, he was very much, he's very much a train fetish guy. So, anyways, produced by Danny Boyle, uh, about a, an Indian boy from the slums whose mother is killed when he's really young, has to kind of make it on his own with his older brother, and throughout his life experiences a bunch of, um, tribulations that eventually give him the information required to win the Indian equivalent of who wants to be a millionaire. Uh, so each question relates to something in his life. And, you know, like Eric, like you said, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that at the end of the movie, he wins it all. He gets the girl that he's always wanted and gets the money and because he's, his destiny was to win. And uh, the film received incredible critical acclaim. It won eight Oscars uh, at the recent Motion Picture Academy Awards. Uh, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Song, Best Original Score, and a bunch of other stuff. And Did it get screenplay? I, th- I don't think it got Who screenplay. Who got screenplay? Um, I don't know. I, let me consult the internets. <laughs> Actually, I remember now. It was Milk. Milk, milk, milk did get screenplay, yes. Because okay. I remember the, uh, the gay guy went up there speech. and uh, accepted it. Uh, Schenectady? Uh, That's not the right Synecdoche. Synecdoche. Did no. Synecdoche get nominated even? I don't, I don't think, think so. it nom- was nominated for anything. Because he usually at least gets a, be- a, a screenwriting nomination just it's as a true. nod. <laughs> Who is this? Uh, Charlie Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of my favorite writers because he's about as meta as you can get. Yeah, I think yeah. he won for Eternal Sunshine in the Spotless Mind. Um, he did. He did. 
the and screenplay. He won screenplay. No, he won. He won adapted screenplay for adaptation and original screenplay for mm. Sunshine. Yeah, because um, adaptation actually was an adaptation, although a very interesting one. <laughs> it was a very <laughs> meta adaptation. Yeah. Yes. Um, essentially, though, there there were some problems with Slumdog. I had some problems with it personally, and uh, Eric, you also did. Introduce like like briefly what what uh, you went over in your column. Well, I think there are two categories you could place, uh, you know, the problems I have with the movie in. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, um, the the more superficial category being that it's it's a cheesy film. Yeah, it is pretty um, cheesy, <laughs> and and just a strange choice for best picture for me. Um, so that's we could talk about that. But the other thing, uh, the more serious problem being a kind of glamorization of poverty. I feel the the film shows um there you know it's it's take it takes place in these airport slums of mumbai uh you know where there are something like 90,000 people living in these uh just shacks and mm-hmm. uh they basically pick pick up garbage all day uh for their living and and sell it to people who recycle it um although a lot of them have have become thieves lately because the uh, the American economy uh, downturn has affected the prices of uh, plastic water bottles. <laughs> um, you know, none of which is covered in the movie exactly, but uh, but there are scenes of them running through the the garbage, the the glistening garbage, kind of you know, it's, and with beautiful music and. So it kind of it kind of over it, it overemphasizes like or, or like you said it glamorizes this slum environment um inaccurately representing it probably giving people the idea that what you think it's you think it's worse than that or better than that or just different uh well i don't think it's well it it is worse than uh the the idea that you get but at the same time i think there are people that uh will be almost shocked by the the poverty they because they just have no idea um uh, so it's it depends on kind of i think where the viewers coming from mm-hmm. but uh the worst thing is um is just the kind of uh overarching uh plot uh, yeah it's very very rags to riches very you know american dream in india right um i wouldn't even call it rags to riches though because like your classic rags to riches story often indicates at least the american version often indicates someone doing hard work striving getting yeah. ahead right. this is a situation where he stumbled into 40 million rupees pretty much 20 million 40 million i think 20 million 20 million uh, it's I about it was 40 it, it's is about it 40? 400,000 american is what it turns out to be oh really it's yeah. not actually a million not american yeah Right, but still, like he, if not for what he happened to him, it. yeah, if not for what happened to him, he never would have gotten this. Um, it's 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 a very fatalist movie, but in the sense that it emphasizes positive fate. That oh well, you know, here's here's one instance where destiny picked this one guy out to rise above all of the rest because of all this random crap that happened to him. And he gets to be the rich guy, whereas everybody else is still in the slums. Yeah, so, someone sent me an email uh, pointing out that and to them it wasn't a Rex to Riches story because on the last question, he doesn't care. He just he, yeah. he, he doesn't care if he gets it right. He's like, you know, I don't know the answer. Well, his a, real goal was to a. get Latika, yeah. 
but because he's already he's already got the girl. Yeah, which is and it's the most ridiculous part of the movie because here's a kid who is living in abject poverty, and he has a chance to to live the life of his dreams, you know, for the rest of his life, uh, and take care of all the people that he cares about. And he doesn't care. He, he's like, oh well, I've already, I've already got the woman. Yeah, right. It's 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 so love like Hollywood all. dreamland. Yeah. yeah, it it seemed like very much a a more seventies or sixties Hollywood movie that you know sort of naive um, approach to every, even fifties I think, and you know, sort of well, it's obvious what the central theme is: love conquers all, and everybody lives happily ever after. It's it. Right. And felt really out of place in the environment of insightful films uh, that were nominated for Best Picture. Frost, Frost Nixon, Nixon, Milk, uh, The Reader. These these were. F- Was The Reader insightful? Uh, I never saw it, so I mean, I have. I just it looked like World War II drama to me, mm-hmm. but a different type of World War II drama. Um, Benjamin Button, extremely good, uh, dramatic in in some ways, but also very deep films. Slumdog just didn't seem to be anywhere even in that class of movies. And yet it was you know, highlighted and, and bolstered above all the rest. I mean, it's worth pointing out that, and you may want to use your internets for this, that oftentimes in the history of the Oscars, the, the best picture Oscar does not go to the picture that stands the test of time. Right. It is very much, <laughs> a, it is very much a here and now award. Mm-hmm. Um, Chicago. Really? Well, <laughs> like I love I love Chicago. I've got uh, I've got a soft spot in my spot soft spot in my heart for Chicago. My my uh, go to answer is Braveheart. Yeah, go watch Braveheart. Braveheart is the cheesiest Mel Gibson movie since Mad Max, hmm. and it is it is. And Gladiator is very similarly. Passion of the Christ. Well, I almost almost said that, but yeah. I never saw Passion of the Christ, so I couldn't say for sure. Did Gladiator win Best Picture? Gladiator won Best Picture. Yeah, it was that was good, but it was every, very every, much. A, I mean, go go pull up like the last ten years Oscar yeah. um, noms and winners. I think, I think a good example of that is Crash. Crash is, and, and I think it's a good uh, comparison to Slumdog Millionaire because it's a very. Uh, it's a feel good movie. It's a feel good movie, but it, it's also. Uh, vaguely social issues mm. on a surface level, very much like so- slumdog. Right, it makes you feel like you've you've just uh, volunteered for two hours or something. <laughs> right, two hours you've of sent off ten dollars. <laughs> that that indulgence has been taken care of because I, I watched this movie. Yeah. Oh, I remember that was one thing you brought up, Eric. Was it sort of a slumdog was kind of a way for for rich white people or rich Indian people to kind of uh, set aside their guilt. You know, say, oh well, you know, look at look at this happy story about one person making it out of the slums. Well, we really don't need to do anything. Then. Right, you can feel good about this one kid, and then that one kid can basically stand in for millions, indeed mm-hmm. almost a billion, hungry people. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's really a, a just a fallacy. I think. I mean, look at the um, the cast and crew were like flown there to Hollywood, right? And then after the Academy Awards, flew back to India and pretty much returned to middle class, lower class lifestyles. I mean, these are not these are people that happen to have been picked by the British guys who swooped in there, made the movie, and left. Right. And now they're pretty much left in the same situation they were before. And I think there is an illusion on the part of the audience that these people, you know, the actual actors from the slums in the film, are experiencing, uh, you know. An adventure similar to the to the 
the main character. Yes. And that they're being swooped up in this big thing. And, and so giving them all these awards is like, in a way, Hollywood reaching out to the world uh, in, its, in, in Hollywood's way. Yeah, right. Which is not you know an effective way, but it's, no. it looks good on paper and it looks good on screen, which it, is what Hollywood's all about. It makes exactly. us feel good. You mm-hmm. know, I just, I just saw a, a story today about, you know, during hard times, movie sales go up. You know, people go to go to see and, hmm. and basically forget about the world mm. and their it's lives. It's escapism, yeah. And, and it, along the same lines, um, the movies that come out tend to be stupider, you know. <laughs> you, you, don't, yeah. you don't think as much. It's, it's more escapism, like you said. Yeah. Uh, Look how many superhero movies we've got coming out in the near future. <laughs> uh, I mean, right. maybe no more than usual, but still. Um, <laughs> I pulled up the uh, best picture list here. We've got starting in 1996, Braveheart, The English Patient. What? 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 Do you have the nominees there as well? Oh, because I, I want to show the contradiction between. There's a Wikipedia page about it. The contradiction between what won and what else was nominated. The English Patient's another good year that I went. What? There's yeah. usually a lot. Uh, there's usually at least a good, a really good. Okay, movie I've got that's I've got everything here. Mm-hmm. I'll start in the. Um, I'll start in 1990. Okay. Um, that's 20 years. Oh, my gosh. That's a long time. Dances with Wolves won um, amongst <laughs> Awakenings, Ghost, The Godfather Part Three, and Goodfellas. Now, Goodfellas. Goodfellas is the only Goodfellas. decent film on well, the Well, exactly. Ghost. Ghost? Ghost. Whoopi Goldberg. Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Patrick Swayze. Ghost. I know. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. You know, basically, based on that movie alone... If if you tune into any uh, uh, these gossip shows on television, yeah, you know it's it's all about is he gonna die? <laughs> is Patrick Swayze gonna, you know, Patrick his Swayze courageous gonna battle I just, to I live. I only just learned that he had cancer like a week ago. I saw it on the tablets like two weeks ago, but yeah. it's still like, hey, he's fighting a courageous battle, man. Well, yeah, he's fighting as is every other person with cancer <laughs> in the world. Exactly. I mean, what makes his struggle any more special than anybody else with cancer? Because I mean, of Ghost. Because <laughs> he's going to And, uh, oh, just lost it. Roadhouse. <laughs> Point Break. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Anybody? yeah, yeah. 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 Keanu Reeves surfing. Anyways, um, planes. 1991, The Silence of the Lambs won amongst Beauty and the Beast, Bugsy, JFK, and The Prince of Tides. I could give you silence, but I yeah. th- but this is ninety one's a good year to point out that uh, Beauty and the Beast was the first and last time an animated film was, was up for, bomb- for best, best picture. picture. Yeah, because um, immediately following, and I'm I'm not one hundred percent sure on this. I haven't checked in a while, but immediately following, best animated picture came along. Yes, because we didn't want another Beauty and the Beast to w- potentially win best picture. Because what about all those real actors that struggled so hard? It's Right. Still, though, it's a movie, and I, I think it's it's ridiculous for them to make a separate category for animated films. You might as well call it the Pixar Award. It, it is well, now at, the, yeah. at this point, but it, it always before then there Pixar. was there was actually contention. But what, what my problem is is they've set aside essentially a different genre for mm-hmm. another top level award. But well, well, they they ha- they do not do that for any other genre. Like I think Slumdog and. Benjamin Button are in completely different categories. I wouldn't say that animated film is a genre necessarily because it's 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 a question that I I've come across recently a number of times of genre versus style. Mm. Um and animation is a style whereas genre like when I mean, you you 
look at the three. What were the nominees for best animated picture this year? Wally, um, Kung Fu, Kung Panda, Fu Panda, and wasn't it just no? No, there was a third one. There was but another one. Who in there cares? Somewhere. Yeah. Um, All you have to say is Wally. But Wa- yeah. Wally and Kung Fu Panda are different genres of film by far. Yeah. Um, that's why they don't separate by genre. No, they don't, they're, and and that's okay. Too. I'm cool with that. But they separate by style, and the, and I can see that argument being made. We have a best documentary feature. Yeah. And and so there are some issues with that, but I do think it's amusing that the reason that these things get created. Same thing with um, the New York Times Youth Bestseller List. Yeah. You know why that exists? Harry Potter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can get Harry Potter, Twilight, all these, all these. Well, because well, Harry Potter popular youth series for on there. Years probably combined spent on the New York Times bestseller list at the peak of Pottermania because not but not just youth were buying it adults were buying it adults were reading it and but it's a kids book and all these legitimate authors wanted their work to be on that list hmm <laughs> Dan Brown yeah uh anyway it's 1992 uh, unforgiven one if you ask the catholics he already is Unforgiven one. Unforgiven one amongst the crying game, a few good men. The crying game was up yeah, for best picture. I know. Uh, Howard's end and scent of a woman. I wow. I mean, I it, it, these that. things speak for themselves. Scent yeah. of a woman is <laughs> nominated. Even? Look, look up nineteen seventy three. Nineteen seventy. See if it goes. See how far back it goes. Like if this is a problem. I think this is a problem that's always existed. The sting one. Um, against American Graffiti, The Exorcist, A Touch of Class, and Cries and Whispers. Man, I would have, I would have put American Graffiti or The Exorcist above The Sting well, by far. Although The Sting was a good movie, I've seen all three of those, and it's funny the other two. We, we I don't even know what they are. Like I've yeah. never heard of those other two. What the, uh, American Graffiti? No, no, the two oh, that you didn't mention. Yeah. American a Graffiti touch of and Class. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, Cries and Whispers. Yeah, one of them was Cries a period piece. Whispers. I promise you. Oh, uh, Cries and Whispers was an Ingmar Bergman movie. Oh. So, uh, do you have do you have a list of like the critics' top movies of that year? Oh, no, <laughs> this is getting too meta, man. I could... Although I think I mean. Oh this, sure, this let me just write some RSS stuff. code. I'll just I'll just generate one. I mean, here. But this is interesting stuff to comparison. I mean, um, because this is just in the stuff that's not right. What else came out this year in these years that that got completely stumped? Dark Knight will not be on this list twenty years from now. That's People won't exactly. look back and say, "Oh, the Dark Knight got the Dark Knight got you know didn't get didn't win. It got nominated, but didn't win." They won't even say that. They'll say, "What year did the Dark Knight come out?" I'm sorry, I hit the cable. I'm sorry. Yeah, but um, they'll say, "You know what year did Dark Knight came out?" I don't know. What year did Star Wars come out? I, I, I don't know. Seventy-seven, man. Double sevens. <laughs> but, Nerd. Yeah, and uh. And Star Wars did not win. In, 1990, in 1977, Annie Hall beat out The Goodbye Girl, Julia, Star Wars, and The Turning Point. I agree with that. Annie really? Hall? Really? No, I love Annie Hall. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's Woody Allen. Still, it's, it's great. far more people have seen Star Wars than have seen Annie but, Hall. I, well, I can't say that you can argue that popularity is a measure of quality. No, certainly not. But in, enduring quality, I think. Well, and also you're talking about the Oscars. Yeah. yeah. Which is a publicity stunt, you know. True, true enough. Um, Which is why, yeah, Lord of the Rings went on its third movie. I mean, come on. The Dark Knight is so much better than Slumdog Millionaire. Just, it is. And this goes back to my first point. But I still wouldn't have given Dark Knight Best Picture. Like, um, I, I think Milk was a better film. Frost Nixon, either of those, right. would have been a great choice for Best Picture. Right. Yeah, there's so many. But I'm trying to think like the Oscars think. Mm-hmm. And usually yeah. a big-budget Hollywood movie that critics like, 
and that makes tons of money, you know, think Titanic. Yeah, Titanic which, is, which, Titanic which, is, which, is, the, is the example to go to. The Dark Knight exactly was. And, and, you, and to get, like, completely shut out, basically... It's really strange. It's it's a completely different. Uh, it didn't get completely shut out. I think it, technical it, Oscars. It won, you know, which for, don't uh, count. Sound editing or something. No one cares. <laughs> no, uh, I think Slumdog got sound editing and uh, sound oh, mixing. Sound mixing, yeah. Which I'm still. I don't, I don't know the difference. Yeah, I wish, uh, I, wish I did because apparently they're important jobs. Uh huh. But anyways, back to uh, recent films. 1993, Schindler's List won, uh, beat out The Fugitive, In the Name of the Father, The Piano, and The Remains of the Day. Uh, the Fugitive was good. I, I think th- that's a I, good I choice. Think Schindler's List, I think, because every now and then the Oscars will get it right. I point to No Country for Old Men. Yeah, um, that every now that was and, every now and year they'll get one right. Yeah. So huh, we'll here, give them Schindler's List. Ninety four. Forrest Gump beat out Four Weddings and a Funeral, Pulp Fiction, Quiz Show, and The Shawshank Redemption. I would have given it to Shawshank. Really, I would have given it to Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pulp Fiction's good too. I mean, Forrest Gump was essentially the Slumdog of the day. Pulp now, Fiction granted, got nominated for Best Forrest Picture. Gump is a far better movie than Slumdog Millionaire, but it's the same sort of idea. That's interesting. Yeah, what I don't, is it, I what don't is it think saying? it's the same sort of idea. Well, you know, I don't. I don't think Forrest Gump has a message. Doesn't it? What is it? <laughs> That's a good. <laughs> gonna make me sad. Even a retard can speak in Washington. I don't know. <laughs> There is a kind of sense of destiny propelling him. Yeah, he, he's he's kind of part of of all these historic events. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and he doesn't he doesn't ever really have. He's kind of letting things happen. He's like the watch, the original Watchmen, you know. Yeah, yeah the comic. <laughs> he's he's living through. I guess you could say that. Okay, I, I, I'm getting your metaphor. It took me a second, but I can I can follow <laughs> you there. So I mean that that's that's a really good example, but. Uh, 1995, Braveheart beat out Apollo 13, yeah, Babe. right there. Uh, Apollo 13. Apollo 13. Fantastic movie. Braveheart beat out Apollo 13. I'm sorry. I have seen Apollo 13 <laughs> babe. five, six times. Babe was not. Yeah, Babe was nominated. Uh, Il, Il Postino and uh, Sense and Sensibility. God, there's, so, there's always one like... <laughs> He just like really cheesy like, title. Why is oh, this I in know. here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, the, but that's just it. The Oscars have... This sort of set of films that they pick from. Yeah. Your big biopics, your historical pe- features, um, and things that they don't pick from just as easily. I don't know. Yeah, here's, here's one that I, I have to do a beef about. In 96, The English Patient beat out Fargo, Jerry Maguire, uh, Secrets and Lies and Shine. Fargo. Secrets and Lies. I, There's what? always one what? title that's just, it's just two. It's, it's two like, things. It's, Pride and Prejudice. Secrets and Lies. Sense and Sensibility. <laughs> Sense and Sensibility. Excuse me. Um, Feathers and Rocks. I'm sorry. Fargo or Jerry Maguire? Which Fargo, one, which one have I watched more recently? Yeah, right. <laughs> when was the last time I watched English Patient? Oh, never. When was the last time anybody watched English Patient? Never. You, you know what happened? If you see, if you go back and uh, you watch the English Patient, you go, hey, it's that guy from Lost. <laughs> Really, it's got uh, Saeed. Saeed. You just don't watch it. It's no, nobody long. watches it. Nobody will watch it. <laughs> but, but I've Fargo. watched Fargo Fargo's twenty, thirty great, times. Great movie. Yeah, Coen Brothers. That was the Coen Brothers got snubbed until No Country. Right. Yeah, yeah. Did uh, I mean Big Lebowski? Did it even get nominated? No, um, Big Lebowski's not Oscar bait. I'm sorry. No, it's a very. I think it's a very niche film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not a bad film, but it's not an Oscar film. <laughs> it is indeed, and well, it's, it's sad that we that we have, but we but you can immediately say that about the Oscars that there's not a film that says this is an Oscar film. Hmm. 
I mean, you you can have a film that says this is not an Oscar film. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'm shocked that Pulp Fiction got nominated. Really? Because it does not bring as an Oscar. It's a good film. I enjoy watching it. But it is, does that does it? It doesn't smack of Oscar mentality. Is is the, is the point of the Oscars? Is the point of the Best Picture selection in particular kind of to to highlight the public sentiment at the time? Like it's it's not really. They're not looking five, ten, fifteen years in the future. Um, to kind of compare this thing, they're more looking at, you know, what today, right now, does the public have a, a fixation on? And certainly that was Slumdog Millionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't that same fixation with any of the other films. Maybe Milk, but mainly Dark Knight. Slum, yeah, and Dark Knight. Yeah. But well, none of the Best Picture nom- uh, nominees even came close to making the money Dark Knight made. No, I mean, right. And and that's what you're talking about when you're talking about. You know, well, not necessarily popularity, of... but just what what does the Academy feel is whether the, or not the Slumdog make more money. Slumdog made more people feel better. Yeah, now, in, in in the in the I'm I don't have to give to the poor now because I watch Slumdog sort of a sentiment. Now I think the Academy felt that they did recognize Dark Knight enough by giving Heath Ledger the posthumous Oscar. Well, maybe. I mean, let's examine what. What people would would feel leaving Dark Knight, you know what? It's it, it's <laughs> oh dread. Um, it's it has confusion. It has some uh, <laughs> some philosophical uh, components to it. Certainly, uh, for a big budget film, you know. Um, well, I mean, the, the the eternal struggle between Joker and Batman. Yeah, um, as as he puts it, the unstoppable force and the immovable object, because Batman will not compromise his goals, and Joker. After a while, his goal is to just make Batman kill somebody. Yeah, I mean, even 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 beyond that, it it boils down to, and this is more comics than the movie. But after in the in the comics, it's just I want to break Batman. Yeah. Uh, tell me something: uh, Are they going to replace Heath Ledger with a, a new Joker character and and keep the character? The, the in movie the is so far. The the third film is so far away right now. That's not even nobody's even talking. Nobody about. knows. Okay, I don't know if they're going to have Joker, but I, I heard some rumor about. Uh, the Riddler. Yeah, at this point, it's just speculation. Yeah. Um, Christopher Nolan has basically said all rumors you have heard at this point are just speculation. We haven't even begun writing okay. the script yet. Oh, okay. So it is. So it nothing is, nothing is nothing but nothing speculation. Okay. <laughs> People would like to see the Riddler, and they'd like to see Chris Nolan's version of the Riddler because Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. That, that was the big name that was thrown around <laughs> as the Riddler. Oh man. And and, and that, there's that reaction, but yeah. right now Chris Nolan's like it's just. People making up stuff. Then again, I, we very well might see an insanely good person come in and play a villain that we didn't expect. Um, Penguin. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> see, the, the John Goodman. Is, the thing that <laughs> I would, I would, I don't know that Christopher Nolan's really worried about, but there's because because the of the now six Batman films, I view each one as taking place in its own canon. Mm-hmm. You have Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher, Christopher Nolan. Sure. Um, plus Adam West back in the 60s, which is the best Batman movie by far. <laughs> but you have – there was a lot of, of – maybe I'm just the one who thought there was a lot of angst about redoing the Joker. Because mm-hmm. up until this point, I viewed them all as, as being things. And if you go back and watch Batman, Jack Nicholson is fantastic as the Joker. Yeah, he is. And, and the thing is, he's, people, people are all about Heath Ledger because A, Heath Ledger's dead, and B, it, he's more recent. But Jack Nicholson is a fantastic Joker, hmm. and uh, my roommate actually thinks he's better than Heath Ledger at really? the part because he played it 
more like the comics, maybe? I don't think he's a big comics fan. He played it more more realistic, if that makes sense. Hmm. In that in that the Joker has in the in the movie, the Joker has no motivation. He's a very two dimensional character in the sense that you don't know why he does anything. Well, which, he doesn't which know one? why he does it. In in the recent one, Batman okay. uh, Dark Knight. Um there's no no motivation. And and that works to some extent because he's very enigma- enigmatic, but after a while there's there's sort of okay, he's just crazy and doing these things because he's crazy. Yeah. But to do a lot of the stuff that he would have to do, he couldn't just be crazy. I point to the uh, the scene where he's got the two different people tied up in different warehouses. I mean, the the amount of infrastructure that would take to set up would have to be – you'd have to have a lot of money, a lot of power, a lot of ability to move things, and a lot of not crazy. Well, he's, like, well, he's, he's psychotic, not, but he's yeah. not – he's not uh, you know, locked in a mental ward and mm-hmm. kind of like sitting there. Well, he is eventually. Yeah. One flew over the cuckoo's nest, you know. Another good no, Jack Nicholson film. He is directed. I mean, he is directedly insane. Mm-hmm. Which, which is a sort of motivation. And and I think uh, in the film, like I was saying, it's it's really chaos that he's going for. And and yeah, it's th- ordered chaos. I mean, he is he is a chaos engineer essentially. Anarchy that I run. Like the obvious the obvious thing you see in it is you know the parallel to our modern uh, world with terrorism being uh, possibly the, the the future only threat, you know, like in a globalized world where all nations are uh, interconnected, you know, yeah, the, the main threat is, is a chaotic figure, someone that just seeks to break up the status quo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okay. You know. Man, if Al Qaeda had somebody on the on the scale of that character, we'd we'd be in deep doo doo. Well, I mean, <laughs> well with that with that ability as well, I I, th- I guess right. we're looking at a combination of drive, means, and collaboration. But he he's really not big on collaboration either, as, except as the opening scene shows. Well, except <laughs> he he has to to get what he wants done. Only so far, though. Again, you know, the two big stunts that I, I remember in that movie are the the two people tied up in different warehouses and the two boats. Yeah, uh, those those both took a lot of time to set up. And the two boats paradox was was wonderful because it was like, here is an actual ethical scenario where you're. <laughs> That's one of those ones you're you making, like have in philosophy classes. Yeah. Like you've got two boats of people, one are full of criminals, one are full of what do you do? Like it's and he made it very literal and he made it happen and and it's. It really is every person's worst nightmare to actually confront those sort of ethical decisions in everyday life, because um, we don't expect to ever be standing on a train track and have, you know, our family down one track and a, a baby down the other and have to choose on flipping the switch. You know, we don't fall into those situations, mm-hmm. but it it shows us well, what if humanity right. actually got put in that sort of a situation? Which and is, that's what's it, remarkable about, about the film is is. Um that it was a huge, big-budget movie that did go there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And made people uneasy. Unlike Titanic. Oh, exactly. Right. Or unlike Slumdog. I mean, the, the biggest thing that Slumdog deals with, and my, still my biggest problem, is the, the determinist, deterministic message in the film. Like, I am a huge believer in free will. I, and, and I think the film just, just undercuts that. It's saying that, well, you know, everything's written. Um, you have a destiny. It may be good or bad. And for this guy, it was good. And look how good it was. But mm-hmm. it's not saying at all that we, like you said, the traditional rags to riches story where 
you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You make yourself a better person through conscious choices, through education, through through decisions that, that make your life better. Yeah. It's just saying, well, if you happen to luck into it, here's how good it can be. I, I think there's something else a little bit that's, that's similar to that that I, I may have mentioned here before. I've complained about it a number of times about Slumdog. It's, it's, it's basically saying that it would be and, – and it's sort of true – but it's emphasizing to me unintentionally the fact that it would be impossible for a person from the slums to know all of these things. I mean, yeah. if I'm not if I'm not correct, there's there's a subplot. I've not seen the film, so I'm criticizing without seeing, which is something you shouldn't do. But anyway, <laughs> there's a scene where, or there's a, there's a subplot of the movie where they're trying to you know figure out if this guy's cheating or not because he shouldn't be able to know all these answers. Is yeah, he's not? he's interrogated throughout he's, the film. He's being yeah. tortured, in fact. Yeah, which you know that's another thing. Like, yeah, uh, in a feel good movie. To have that to as have well. 24. Part, exactly, yeah. 24 yeah. made it okay for us to like watching people be tortured. <laughs> mm-hmm. But go on. Which, by but, the way, 24 has gone off the deep end. Uh, I, I, I stopped years. watching it about two seasons ago, and I happened to, to catch an episode the other night, and it just... Well, if you just tune into a show like that in the middle of it, it's always going to seem like it's off the deep end. <laughs> well, true, but at the first season of 24, it, it was more realistically paced. You know, it was they fit more into twenty four hours. All right, but we're getting off topic again. That's what we do. But we'll get uh, back to me and Slumdog in a minute. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it, it's twenty four now is pretty much just hey, let's have the action sequence of the week, mm-hmm. and it's and there's no way the that all bad of this guys could, change constantly on you that have show. Three bad guys over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. Oh well, this is the real bad guy. Oh well, this is the real real bad guy. Mm-hmm. Oh well, Which this sort of did spoiler alert season one when. Um, the woman he worked with turned out to be manipulating the entire thing. But that oh, was yeah. very much at the end of the season. Betrayal is, is a big theme yeah. as well. You know, oh, this person is killing trusted your favorite the, characters. Trusted the entire series. Oh, this person's now evil. I mean, yeah. it's. Uh, and aside from it being pretty much neo conservative propaganda, yeah. that's that's one problem but I have with it. Anyway, Slumdog. back to Slumdog. The. the the message of the movie that I, as I see it from, from reading things is that it, it would be impossible for a person from the slums to ever know this information. Yeah. And arguably, that's true. I'm not, I'm not going to say that it isn't because, unfortunately, these are the situations where that's the case. But that's not a very American message to say that it would be impossible for you to get up out of these things, to know these things, to learn these things. Mm, that's a good point. Other things had to happen to him before he could possibly know this information. Yeah. He doesn't know the answers. And going back to the, you know, fatalism, determinism, he doesn't know anything because he tried to learn it. He knows things because things happened to him. Yes. It's very, very... Which actually reflects the American School of Education quite a bit as well. <laughs> but we won't go there again. <laughs> um, well, I think we should. Oh, we've tried to cover it in recent in uh, other episodes yeah, I, i'm a student teacher right now i spend eight hours a day in a public high school yeah. and i think you make a good point though we should talk about it a little bit like what does that tell our people that are in education right now well you don't actually need to learn everything at school because hey maybe one day you'll luck into a situation where what you might have picked up has some relevance for that situation what you sure of... it teaches that message it's just kind of a silly concept oh, you know consequence uh, of it yeah mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just a silly idea that Hollywood uses. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's just one of those things. Like, oh, here's here's the neat thing. Every yeah. time they ask him a question, we're going to show you exactly how he randomly came across. Structurally, across it's a nice idea. It is, and it's and it's it's arresting. It's very suspenseful. But mm-hmm. so is watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I mean, yeah. It, if, yeah. if they go all the way. I saw the first guy that ever won Millionaire. I watched it live 
Yeah. And um, it was great. It was great because he went the, he went the whole way without any lifelines. And so he gets the last question, and it's you know which president appeared on Laughing, Ronan Martin's Laughing. And he goes, I need to use a lifeline. And he's like, Okay, who would you like to call? I'd like to call my father. Okay, let's get him on the phone. You know, calls him up. Um, he's like, Hey, Dad, um, just want to let you know I'm I'm on Millionaire, which I think he probably knew. He's like, uh, My question is. Um, no, how did, how did he put it? I don't know the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of, yeah, I'm a millionaire, I'm on the million dollar question, the question is such and such, and I just wanted to tell you that I'm about to win because the answer is Richard Nixon final answer, or whatever the answer was. I think the question was, how far is the sun from the earth? No. I, I'm not, just going to throw the, that out there. I think on the first, the guy first that won millionaire? million question was... Not the, the guy that first won. The guy that first won... Was Ronan Martin right. laughing? Google it. Internet. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm trying to pull up. Speaking of stupid, silly things in the movie, the the lyrics for Paper Planes, the the one of the songs they had in there, Paper Planes by M.I.A. Right. The one with the gunshots in the song. <laughs> I love that song. Okay, yes, you do. All but I want to do didn't... is pow, 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 pow. Click, ka-ching, take your money. It's, yeah, something like that. I, I love that song too. Um, it's not a good song. I don't know. But if I love it. it. The movie I think it's a great song, well, uh, but it did not fit the movie. Yeah, like, it was a really strange. Uh, but it's popular right now. But uh, okay. Anyway, who wants to be a millionaire? Because <laughs> I, because I, I remember watching it, and it was the, it was a big deal because they were like, "Think this is the first time somebody's won." I, I feel like I remember watching that too. Oh, that's fine. Well, the, the internet will prove us wrong. Rules. Strategy, origin, final answer. Coughing and cheating scandal. Right. Oh. <laughs> People in, in, in the England, audience coughing. To... <clears throat> there have been a couple scandals. And, oh, and that wow. that's actually where the... Uh, so the Slumdog Millionaire is based off a novel by... Uh, um, I think it's an Indian person, but it's called Q&A. And yes. in, in, the book, yeah. in the book, there's no specific game show. They adapted it to uh, for the movie. Uh, they took Millionaire. They used Millionaire. <laughs> Kevin is totally right, right, by the way. Um, Regis Philbin. Oh, yeah. John, you've got 30 seconds. Starts right now. Hi, Dad. Hi. Um, I really don't need your help. I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to win the million dollars. <laughs> because the U.S. president that appeared on Laugh-In is Richard Nixon. And that's my final answer. Well done. Well done, Internet. <laughs> Internet. It's kind of sad that I know this, but... And you win, yes. And what do I win? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I don't believe in free will. So if you'd like to really? Uh, really? throw you're, that wrench you're into a this determinist, argument, eh? we both don't like the film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you don't like and it yet, because of the the path that it takes? So because of, because of the predetermined course in the film, you don't like it? And I like it because there is a predetermined course? I don't think that's why I don't like it. Um, it's It's saying that the things that are predetermined uh, are are kind of arbitrary, uh, destiny, luck kind of things. Hmm. Whereas I think it's ignoring the fact that there are whole social systems at work uh, that are keeping these people in the slums uh. that, that can be changed. It's not it's not out it's not out of our control. Uh, oh, I see. so you're more of a you're looking at it from a, a a partial determinism like these li- they're. These people's lives are determined by other people, not necessarily by some metaphysical deterministic structure of the universe, uh, God or or simply fate that, you know, this is the wheel of samsara, all of this has happened before, all of it will right. happen again sort of thing. Or that God is up there pulling the strings. Uh, yeah. You're looking at more of, of its people here are pulling the strings 
for right. the for the lower classes. See, I, I can relate to that in a sense. I, I mm-hmm. say we we have free choice on an individual basis, but unfortunately, we're given limited options in a, in a lot of cases. Our options are limited by our environment, by other people, by our social structures, our genetics, our genetics. Mm-hmm. But within those within those paradigms, though, we still have the ability to choose freely between different options. That's, we are not completely determined by what has happened to us in the past. That, that's what most people say to me, and I say, uh, just take it a step further uh, and say, you know, it just seems like an arbitrary line to draw. And this isn't really talking about lines. the movie anymore. But, but saying no, okay. but saying everything's determined up until this small little bubble where you get to make your little decisions. And to me, it seems like it's either one or the other. I like this guy. And it seems a lot more clear that it's the first one. You know, it's... it's, it's, it's uh, more, more is controlled by things that you don't control. Thus, nothing is controlled by what you control. Right. And, uh, and see, I think that it's an inductive leap that that you can't make, though. But well, I get I get what you're saying though about it because I'm I'm a huge hater on arbitrary lines, arbitrary anything, mm-hmm. and the idea that saying you know, do I choose to get up from this table and slap you right now or sit right here, <laughs> is that predetermined? And that's that's a small individual choice that I, I it appears that I can make that freely. But so much of everything else that I do is controlled by environment, mm. to to use a, a very broad phrase, that why why is that not determined by that? Here's the question, though. Could you – say you do get up and slap me. Could you have done otherwise? Not – he couldn't have done it and still and still be him. Uh, oh, man. If, if – this, You know what this is sounding like. If you want to get metaphysical, like, there's, this there's is, a – This is uh, – <laughs> this is getting into some Leibniz right now. There's the, uh, <laughs> you know, people talk about uh, whether you would be the same person if you, uh, you know, appeared in some alternate universe. But mm-hmm. th- no, no, there's no way. I mean, it's, it wouldn't be it, identical. It's, you're so connected to everything that you you come across, and it's. I think Nietzsche made the point that it's. Uh, it's people are their past. This is a very Leibnizian idea. There's another arbitrary out. line, uh, which is. Um, you know this kind of frame around the individual who's making choices, whereas he's saying, "Look at that choice," and it's it's just the tip of a a very complicated uh, series of branches on a tree. You know, mm-hmm. you you go all the way back, and and there are many things uh, causing that choice. Yeah. So you, so many things, in fact, that you can't even you, that you, you can't, can't predict it. You, yeah, you can't follow it. You can't really trace it. So people are like, "Well, oh, you're saying this guy became a jerk because his dad beat him." You know, it's like. Well, yeah, his that, dad beat him, and that he lived could be in a part bad of it. situation. No, it could be that, he, yeah. But you could also be beat and and not turn out to be a jerk. I mean, there's there's any number of paths that can mm-hmm. that, that can be taken. That's why, you know, it's not a it's not an equation that we can understand. Uh, that we have the brain power to to comprehend. Uh, a See, question for you that, that comes up in in this. Cause I've, I've dealt with Stephen all too much because I'm tired of him. <laughs> um, uh, the idea of of quantum randomness. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that affect this your, your your viewpoint at all, or does it is it, is it something? I mean, because you know we we know that an electron is not in any given particular point of time; it's in you know a probability of times until it isn't. So there there is some true quote air quotes randomness in the world, unpredictability, I guess. Yeah, but does that extend to our? Does it? I mean, well, does it, does it go from a micro level to a macro level? Mm-hmm. And for the most part, quantum physics doesn't in right. any any usable way. Yeah, but we're trying to we're trying to change that. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know enough about it to really say. Okay. Uh, I mean, it it seems to me that um, that that could be a a sort of, uh, you know, we we can't trace uh, where they would be at the mm-hmm. same time. Isn't that how? It, yeah, like I'm, I'm I'm a little fuzzy on quantum myself. It's it's essentially you cannot determine the velocity and the position with absolute certainty at the same time. But you can time. determine one. You, yes, you can determine one, and the proportion right. to which you determine one is inversely proportional to how much you determine the other. So unless I'm, I'm misunderstanding it... Like a slide bar. To me, that just seems uh, like something that we can't predict. It it's, doesn't necessarily mean... Yeah, this it, was Einstein's a, counter. He said, well, maybe there are hidden variables that are behind this that we just don't have access to yet, and it is determinable. Mm-hmm. We just don't have the ability to do it yet. Yeah. Um, now, we haven't found anything like that in the intervening period, but... We haven't been looking either. I mean, yes, on, the same, <laughs> on the same on the same, uh, idea, can I predict that you're going to slap me? You know, it's... There, well, there what are you're many saying things... is, is given an infinite knowledge of the, the states of the universe, you would be able to predict that. Now, unfortunately, the states of the universe reduce to the positions and velocities of electrons. And if you cannot have that information, then you couldn't actually predict everything. You couldn't actually have all the information necessary in order to make those predictions. And, you know, I'm not saying you that we will ever be able to uh, predict yeah. what people do or what, uh, you know, an, an electron will do. But what you're saying is, is theoretically, there is some if sort of information is there, it doesn't have to be known. Uh, okay, are you saying that, that the information... Well, a, a given electron has a position and velocity does it <laughs> see this is well, a question we can't know I mean, it, it's, but it becomes a metaphysical we, question but whether if, it actually does have one or both of them or if it only well is there a black hole behind me i don't know i can't see it <laughs> but i turn around well maybe it disappeared in that instance it's, hey, it, it's, don't it's, go it's, epistemological on my ass it's the no it's the difference between knowledge of something and reality again air quotes of yeah. the way things actually are I don't have to know that the relative, the gravitational acceleration is 9.8 meters per second. I don't have to assign any words. That I don't have to know that. But a thing will fall at a rate. Yeah. And those things will fall at the same rate from the same position regardless of mass. Mm-hmm. These things are true observably. Again, observe, observation is always the problem. Yeah. Um, are they true whether or not we observe them? Does an electron have a position and velocity whether or not we observe it. We can't observe it. We know that. At least we know that we can't observe it right now, mm-hmm. and we can't observe them both at the same time. But does that, because we can't know it, does that exclude it from existing? And, and we believe that, that it can. It, it does have both quantities, as, sort of. Um, but measuring one does affect the other. And that's, this is the problem, is, is we, it may be that the universe is completely determined. However, we will not ever be able to determine it. Because there's no theoretical point at which we can right. know everything but required to make that those predictions. So no, it, it doesn't. But I'm just trying to clarify your position exactly. Mm-hmm. Because if there is actually stuff in the universe that, say, let's say fundamentally is not deterministic, like does not have a determined value that is random, that on some you know fundamental real level can go one of any any billions of different ways at any particular moment then there isn't pure determinism in the world. Now, there's, there's a third viewpoint. I've actually heard this expressed by a few people. We do have determinism, but we also have uh, randomness or 
free branching of determinisms, essentially. It's like a tree. You know, each decision splits off a number of different ways into different timelines, into different universes, essentially. That's where higher dimensions come into play and uh, string theory and such. But it's essentially saying that every time you make a choice, one you goes one direction and the other you goes another direction. You, A... Maybe Kevin A makes the choice to slap me. Kevin B makes the choice to sit in his chair. Maybe Kevin A and Kevin Prime. <laughs> okay, Kevin and Kevin Prime. Um, the Kevin we experience, say, sits in his chair. But the Kevin that our primes experience comes over and slaps me. So each decision right. that any particular person makes splits the universe. So each, which which puts you in a multiverse situation, all possibilities exist. All possibilities um, exist. Then where does consciousness come into play? Are we simply experiencing one tree branch and we're randomly experiencing it along the way? Yeah, these things... And where does the we come into play? <laughs> then your identity is essentially split into a million pieces. and These, yeah. these things just, fit, you know... They, they never really impressed me. It just feels like <laughs> we're coming up with ways you know, to it's, oh, make it's, it work. It's a, yeah. it's a cute idea, you know. It could be. <laughs> I've never heard string ever, theory described as a cute idea. This doesn't ever <laughs> seem to really apply to. So, like to me, it's more important to look at uh, reality and and just what really is playing out as far as we can see. That's mm. all we can really tell, you know. And this is this is kind of the epistemological stance. We have to just take things at face value until we're given reason to believe otherwise. And, uh, you know, Occam's Razor, take the simplest of explanations, and that's probably the, the true Newtonian one. Newtonian physics works for just about everything I'll ever do. Yeah, it does. But, I mean, if, if you ever happen to jump in a spaceship going <laughs> a quarter of the speed of light, you're probably going to find uh, Einsteinian physics pretty Whatever useful. happened to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, getting back to the movie. All <laughs> oh, right, yeah, we were just, talking about a movie. Well, so. I mean, now that we've been talking about this, <laughs> we can kind of apply it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because to me, I guess my problem is completely different than your problem with okay. the movie. Because I guess the way I look at it is his life is is kind of this fairy tale, and because you know I, I do believe that whatever happens was going to happen. You okay. Know? Um, but in this case, it, it's his it's his very poverty that leads to his uh, success success and his yeah. uh, his his wealth. And uh, as I pointed out in the column. There's a there's a there's a great piece by Catherine Boo in the New York the New Yorker the New Yorker. <laughs> I was gonna say the New York Times. But, uh, <laughs> no, New York um, Times is dying. Yeah, yeah. Long live the New York Times. Yeah, a lot of newspapers are dying, yeah. but we'll Anyways. see. We'll see. Uh, but that's a whole different discussion. Anyways, um, yeah. Sure. And her point was uh, that that was her point. Oh. Uh, ultimately, that. That was the kind of. Uh, if he hadn't been poor, he wouldn't be rich. Right. Right. It, it was. It was the very things that made him poor, and the the experiences of the slums that led to his winning and winning the girl mm. and everything. So I guess my question would be then: How do we affect change? If everything is predetermined, how do we make <laughs> that difference? Still back on the other stuff. Well, I, and my question to you would be: So say his this poverty situation is due to social institutions, is due to the actions of other people. If our situations are predetermined, how do we how do we shake things up? How do we get them to change their minds? I guess what I what my problem is is how do we if this is just one ball rolling down a certain direction, mm-hmm. how do we shift the motion of the proverbial ball if we're rolling along with it like right. everybody else? I think the way to think about it is that there are many snowballs. You know, some of them 
you know, there's there's this spheres uh, of influence. Yeah, and there's there's uh, this idea of cultural evolution, which uh, there's a there's a fantastic book by Robert Wright called Non-Zero, which Bill Clinton had his whole cabinet read you know, <laughs> because he felt it was so important, and it's a follow-up to a previous book he wrote called The Moral Animal, which is talking about uh, you know evolutionary psychology, mm-hmm. and it's fascinating how similar the the processes work. Uh, there are there are th- things called memes, which um, maybe Peter uh, Travers created that. No, it was. Or, um, do you remember? I don't remember who created the term, but uh, Richard Dawkins has talked a lot about him as he well. Um, uh, if I've, I've, we've talked about memes on the show before, though. Okay, so anyway, you know, a meme is basically like a phenotype in biology. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that either. Uh, will be successful and will catch on or not. And yeah. and so you can think of snowballs as that kind of idea. And so if if you get an an idea that hey, you know, we should look after each other, you know, uh maybe you come across it and it and it and it sounds like a good idea to you. Here's I I'm still I I see where you're kind of going with this, but I still have a question though. What how <laughs> does the phenotype of eliminating poverty get out there? So if it hasn't already, there's well, some evolutionary or socially evolutionary reason why yeah, it hasn't. Mutation is the easy you know, for Mutation. Okay. Uh, Can we cause that mutation, or does that mutation have to be caused by something else? Um, Where does <laughs> it start? Where is the origin point, is, is I guess what I'm trying to, to ask. Okay. Well, I mean, because if you go back no far enough. there's no free choice in the issue, you're, you're relying on circumstances to produce that mutation. You're relying on stuff that's happened in the past to produce what happens in the well, future. Are we just waiting for the right circumstances to come about? It could be. Uh, I think there were many years in which the human species had no compassion, <laughs> did not exist. I'm, I'm, I'm talking, you know, prehistory. Uh, yeah, you know, millions of years of of evolution that hmm. uh, had to snowball forward until you could get, you know, even the complexity for a lot of the the good things we would we would talk about now, you know, um, love, as Robert Wright describes it in uh, The Moral Animal, evolved, you know, just like anything else, to suit a purpose. You know, it, it, it's kind of a... It's a survival mechanism, essentially. Right. And, and But once we became capable of it, you know, once we became... Once the, the chemical reactions uh, were able to exist in us for love... Do you follow me? Uh, then, mm-hmm. then we could. Then we were able to. We were able to spread that. New, so new options. Were open. You can love a movie. You can love your dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not what the. That's not what that evolved for. Hmm. And so, therefore, suddenly, you know, you can start thinking. You know, I'm going to love my neighbor. You know, I'm not just going to love people who are genetically uh, connected to me. Hmm. Which is where it started, and there's evidence that we do. You know, care for people that are that have higher percentage of shared genetics. So, you know, there's a higher bond between someone and their child than between them and their spouse, for instance. But anyway, so that's a really roundabout way of answering your question. But I think... Uh, I'm, I'm just... I guess my, my fundamental question is how do, we, how do we make positive change? How do we get the slums eliminated? How, we, how do we fight poverty? Um, it, because right. really... This love thing is great, but it hasn't spread yet. So, are we waiting for it to spread? I think a lot of it has to do with technology. Uh, for instance, the fact that we know 
that poverty exists, hmm. you know. Um, you think you think it's a question of of information um, homogeneity or or penetration I mean, of, you, of you, knowledge. You can't care you can't care about something that you don't know exists. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so, in a sense, if if some dog millionaire becomes hugely popular, uh, awareness it is a good will thing spread. because people see uh, that poverty exists. The problem is the movie. And in so many other movies, uh, we're, we're picking on this one because it won the best picture. Yeah. Oscar. Uh, but but so many it films put itself on the pedestal yeah. are uh, of this nature in which nothing can be done. Really, is is the what you get out of it. Hmm. Whereas, um, I think if if you take my point of view, rather than becoming um, jaded to the world and and cynical, you can also. Uh, have the opposite uh, reaction and say, well, if if you don't think of uh, poor people as as people with as, as big bootstraps, which is basically how conservatives <laughs> look at them, you know, but but as objects acted on, then then you'll want to do all you can to make sure that their environment is um, at least supplies the opportunities that everyone else gets. Mm. Well, Does that makes sense. Yeah. So determinists and indeterministes alike can hate Slumdog Millionaire. Yes, they can. That's a good summary, Kevin. Well, we're uh, we're nearing the end of our time here on Bad Philosophy. Um, can't go over too much over an hour because it makes it very hard to edit after that point. Um, but uh, we thank you for being on the show today, Eric. Really, really insightful comments. Thank you. It's good good to be here. Yeah, but we'd love to have you on the show again if you ever get the desire. Um, I, I forget. Are you a junior or senior? I'm. It's my fifth year. I'm a senior. Year. Okay, so you'll be you'll be graduating this semester. Yeah. Or? Okay. He was a sophomore my freshman year. Gotcha. I lived down the hall from you. I don't know if you remember me at all, but you look familiar. I, I, I came in and hung out he with Ben a few times. <laughs> you and know, and y'all y'all were listening to the streets one evening, and I think you were wearing the Rastafarian wig, <laughs> and that's my first real strong memory of you, which that's is a little a, strange. Wow, that's terrific. Eric, we need to we need to get that picture. We need to talk about this. <laughs> but anyways, um, Kevin, thank you for being on the show once again. Uh, we Always appreciate fun. you being here, and um, wow. The audio was great. I'm happy. I'm I'm really, really, really happy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll see y'all next time on Bad Philosophy. Have any of y'all seen? I saw these at Walmart a few times, and they always just make me laugh every time I see them. They're fruit snacks that are that are building block fruit snacks. They're not licensed by Lego by any means, but they look like Legos. That's the sort of the premise. No. Mind you, they don't have. They don't have the holes in the bottom, so you can't actually stack them together. They just look like Legos. Oh. Um, trust me, I checked. Yeah. However, what what occurs to me is we, we not we, but people who are parents, <laughs> spend a large portion of their time teaching their children not to eat Legos and other small items of that nature. Yeah. And then we're going to give you fruit <laughs> snacks that are shaped like Legos that taste delicious, I might add, and say, now you figure it out, kids. <laughs> One kills you, one makes you happy. Badphilosophy.com You know, I talk far too much on this podcast.